Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the United States Sports Show Football Edition. My name is Joe Marcellina. I'm happy to be here for another week talking some New Hampshire high school football with you. And once again alongside me is uh, Mike Lockman, uh, former football coach in the state of New Hampshire. Mike, thanks again for joining us. Always a pleasure. Uh, before we get started, I want to remind everyone, uh, we'll be recording the shows this season on Tuesdays at 6 at Riverside Barbecue in Nashua, although that's going to change uh, over the next couple weeks. We can get into that later. Uh, you can be a part of the show by emailing us at nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com, or you can come on down and listen to us live and throw french fries at us and maybe make some faces. It's Absolutely. Distract yeah. us. It's not hard yeah. to do. Uh, the show is available every Wednesday morning at nh-highschoolsports.com and also on iTunes. Uh, all right, let's get right into this. I, as, yeah. as we were kind of texting a little bit over the weekend um, and this morning, I, I did say I wanted to uh, do something a little different as we got started here. Uh, there's been a lot of talk um, the last few weeks, you know, as the football committee meets and discusses what to do uh, moving forward as, you know, this is the, the end of... Uh, or the second year of, of one of the two-year cycles. Of course, uh, every sport, NHIA changes things every two years. You know, you can petition up, petition down. They change classification numbers. Uh, and this is the end of, of one of those cycles. So, of course, uh, the football committee, along with all the other committees, are meeting to discuss what to do. And there's rumors. Um, actually, there might be more than rumors, I think, that there's been some talk of changing from three divisions to four divisions, creating, uh, keeping division one at like 20, 21 teams. Of course, we already know Wyndham is going to be moving up. Yep. Um, there's been, uh, there was apparently talk of BG possibly moving down um, and staying in division two, uh, you know, and then division two would have however many teams, I think 17, 18 was maybe the number talked about. And then you've got two smaller divisions yep. being three and four. Uh, and I, I guess the idea is to maybe create a little bit more of a competitive balance. Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> it's funny, right? Because I still sometimes fall back on Coach Mike Lockman, and uh, you can't say you can't talk about a whole bunch of stuff. Got to keep it pretty close to the vest. But I, I, I think that it seems like football in particular. This is a this is a very controversial subject every couple years, and. You know, as a coach, I, I can understand where you might come from as a program if, if you feel like you've had a couple of rough years, and, and uh, especially where the numbers are going with football now, where you can feel kind of desperate to find yourself in a situation where you can be more competitive. But um, I don't know. The flip side is I, I've, I've been around a while, like you have, and I've seen teams build their programs up, you know, within within the structures that have, that have existed. And... Uh, I don't know. There's something rewarding to that idea of, you know, hey, we may have taken our lumps and been young for a couple of years, but um, we've we've built our program up. So for me, I guess if, if that was a way of you asking me what I <laughs> what think, think about <laughs> this, I, I I guess I would, what I would say is that the, the coach part of me gives the cliched answer, which I actually always truly believe, which is, in my opinion, we'll play wherever the heck you put us. Right. You, you when I was at Sauhegan, you would put us in a D1. We would have figured it out. We would have taken our lumps, and, and that would have been tough. But if that's where the, the numbers and the formula that they apply to the thing tells you to go, that's what you do. But the other side of it to me is this format that we've been in the last several years with the three divisions, I think, has been – and there's no perfect way of doing this. Now, I think that's what everybody struggles with. Yeah. This yeah. has been the closest 
to uh, you know to, to to what you would hope for that I can remember uh, whether it was a, as a player or as a coach in New Hampshire it's it's a it's been a system that's promoted competitiveness I think it's it's made the playoff seasons really fun I mean it really has been like a second season all the right teams uh, maybe except for a couple hiccups <laughs> one year where you had yeah. some interesting things well, happen but it seems like the, r- the but but the thing that I've I've appreciated the most uh, sorry to kind of no, no. jump in there um, the thing that I pre- I mean you look at at okay the fir- first two years there were you know especially division one division two you had it broken down into conferences they've been very willing to kind of change on the fly mm-hmm. instead of waiting for these two-year cycles they've tweaked I think every year yep. they've tweaked something whether it's been minor like this year with division three's playoff structure you know going from four from each conference to eight overall, overall like division yep. two is you know, looking at Division Two, they changed it from four conferences to two um, two years ago. Yep. Division One, you had the conference championship games that were very controversial one year, where you had two four and five teams playing, and then a, on the other side, a seven and two team that played the same exact schedule, yeah. not technically in the playoffs. Yeah, they go and they fix those anomalies. They've, they've been fixing those yep. things, and and it's been it's a credit, I think, to the football committee and to the NHIAA. Um, I think I don't know. And you you made a, a point um, just a moment ago that this is something that gets talked about a lot in football, and and I would agree with that. And I would add to it, and not in any other sport. Mm-hmm. The, this is not you know, w- what's the f- the equivalent of a fifty to nothing football game in basketball? Probably like a seventy to twenty basketball game. Wait and l- and, until this basketball season and look at some of those Division three and four scores. And you've got the top teams there blowing out the bottom teams. Yep. It's one of those. I mean, this is this is part of the reason why they changed the playoffs to the seventy percent rule is because you were getting a lot of one sixteen games in Division three and four where the playoff game was, you know, one team on this side of the states traveling three hours yeah. to go play this team on the other side of the state and losing by fifty points. Right, it's a decided thing before and you get off the in bus the, in the playoffs. I mean, so. Why does no one bring that up? Do we need seven divisions for basketball to make it fair for the little guys there? You know, you look at sports like, you know, um, tennis. Bedford boys have dominated tennis for the last six or seven years, oftentimes winning 9 nothing every single time they go out there. Of course, we don't know what the individual scores are, but do we need to start creating like a second division one for the teams that don't? Don't with this. How many are we going to end up with? With fifty football divisions, (laughs) you know, it's Pinkerton (laughs) in the Nashua schools in one, and then you've got you know the Seaco school. You know, what what where does it stop? What I don't understand why. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. It's a good question, and I I only have one perspective. You know, just it's just my opinion and perspective of observing things, but and and also it's biased, right? Because I'm a football guy, right? I I never coached basketball or lacrosse or anything, right? So, um, so that's a weakness, admittedly, but but. But what I would say is that I think that there is, for whatever reason, there's a there's more of a, a pain point for school athletic programs in general when the football team is taking it on the chin. Because literally, and by the way, I'm not saying this justifies it. I'm just saying this is why no, I no, think you it, see the it attitude. Makes, it makes sense. You, get, you go out there, and when you, lose, when you lose 70 to 20 on the basketball court, it's embarrassing, but it wasn't a physical brow beating that you right. took right whereas when you lose 49 to 7 on the football field not only is it embarrassing but you 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 just got the heck beaten out of you physically right i mean somebody rolled you up usually um whether it was in in the you know in the 
and the flash and dash or whether they just pounded, just pounded their yeah, way. Yeah, ran right over you. Yeah. Either way, and I and I think that is embarrassing and concerning to programs that have been down for a while who who know that football is a cornerstone program to any athletic program in, in, in a school that has the size to support it. Um, it's concerning to them because they start to think about, well, if we can't be competitive, football numbers are already a problem, and they start to, I think, outthink themselves a little bit about, well, you know, we have to do this to, to get in this situation. And it, I think, I guess what I'm trying to say is I think it's it's much more emotional driven than it is driven by numbers, scores and stats, statistics yeah. and numbers. That, that's my opinion. Um, I mean, we've all been there. As a coach, I've taken it on the chin. And you think to yourself, oh, my God, we, uh, we shouldn't have even been in this game, right? And, and right. then I've been on the other side of them where you say, oh, my God, that, why, you know, those guys shouldn't have been playing against us. And, but the reality of it is game's the game. System, it, 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 you know, everybody can't be winners. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no, I, I'm exactly. Sorry, I mean, that's 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 why, and that's I think that's why I'm I'm yeah. I like the three divisions. I mean, yeah. uh, one of the reasons why I like three divisions. But you're you're. I think you're right about you know why is it so much more important in football? You know, uh, working at a newspaper for many years, people used to ask us, well, why do you cover football so much more than other sports? And it's like, well, you know, look at the crowds. Yeah. You know, people. They first they charge you to get into football games, no matter what level. Uh, excuse me, not what level, but what regular season, postseason. Yep. The crowd, people go to football yeah. games. They're events. They're yeah, it's, it's not much thing, different. Yeah. yeah, it's not much different than the college level or the pro level. I, I mean, it is in terms of size of the crowd, but you know, it's what do you you know Friday night? What are you doing Friday night? We're gonna go down to the fo- the, the football game. You get students there. You get parents there. You yep. get alumni. You get you know just like you said the community. Yep. A- and I, I get that that's why it's more important. Um, I just don't think that this is the answer. It's 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 in my eyes, it's giving everybody a trophy. Yeah, and and, and, and that's the tough part, Joe. Is I think there is no answer. I think we keep we keep looking for the perfect system that's gonna that's gonna give everybody the best shot at being competitive as possible. It doesn't work. It doesn't work that way, right? There's always gonna be someone has that are to. You're like you said, someone chin. wins and someone loses, right? And sometimes someone loses bad. Yeah, um, and you know maybe. If you're losing bad, maybe football's not your thing, right? Uh, or, or you got to figure out something different. You know, I mean, that was what always kind of motivated me after a tough season. Was you say, you know, hey, you know, if anything, you got to go, you learn from that. You, you try to get your team and your program fired up and taking some pride in what just happened and going in a different direction. Um, but th- and that's hard. It's a hard thing to do. It's not easy. So I, I guess it depends on. You know, every situation is unique. Mm-hmm. Um, one more thing I want to bring up before we move on, um, because I spent a lot of time doing research with this uh, last week, and I don't exactly know what I'm going to do with it. But part of my feeling as to why this has become even more of an issue now and is on the cusp of you know, being proposed um, is that it, f- it felt like, I mean, you look at some of the scores and you've got, you know, the D3 schools, some of those games are, you know, 60 to something, 60, some, you know, yep. 60, 70, 80 points. Um, there's been a couple of those in, in Division One, yep. Division Two. Uh, so I was wondering, I wanted to find out uh, how many, you know, blo- blowouts have there actually been. And I'm defining blowouts as games that are 34 points or more. Why 34? Because I, I started looking at 35 and then realized there were 
you know, well, 34 is almost 35. Yeah. And there's surprisingly no games that had been decided by 33 or 32 points over the last hmm. three years. I went back to, to what, because what I have for records, 2015, 2016, and of course this year, 2017. Um, you know, and, and yes, uh, we're on pace now to have more blowouts this year, 2017, than we were the last two years. Uh, it, it broke down. 2015, there were a total of 66 games. They were decided by 34 points or more, pretty much evenly spaced throughout the divisions. 2016, there was more, 74 total games like that. Uh, more in Division Two. There were only 15 in Division One, 31 in Division Two, and 28 in Division Three. This year, through seven weeks, we are at a total of 69. So already more than 2015, only five away from 2016. And, I, you know, I almost kind of look at it and think it's just one of those years. Yeah. The really good teams are that much better yeah. than the really bad teams. I, I agree. I agree. I agree entirely. I think a lot of that is just driven by the fact that, and, and that's the thing is that the complexion of the league changes every year. People graduate, we reload, coaches change uh, sometimes, and, and it's very difficult to have that backward-looking measure and say, this is what we need to do going forward, right? There, there's been things, like you said, where they've tweaked it, and that made sense because they were flaws in the way the system was set up. But I think to take a look at it and say, well, you know, these guys always blow these guys out, you don't know that, right? And I mean, Division three, for God's sake, if, if Campbell graduates 20 kids, and, and, oh, by the way, takes two key injuries next season, they might be on the receiving end of a few brow beatings. Right? I mean, it's that, it's that dynamic. And, and it's probably not much different in the other divisions. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, it's, so I agree with you. It, it, it's, it's, this year is just one of those interesting years where there's just been a couple few haves that have really taken it to some of the have-nots. And I don't think that's by design or anything. I mean, it's just those teams are really good. Yeah, yeah. All right. Let's move on. Yeah, yeah, no, that's <laughs> Before I get good. a little, now that I'm a little fired up here. Uh, <laughs> that's good. Um, Passion is good. You know, so like we were, we were discussing uh, amongst ourselves before we started here, kind of a uh, bit of a lackluster week for the most part in Division One last weekend. Uh, you know, of course, you had the big game up in Manchester between Goffstown and Central. Yeah. Uh, had coverage of that. I was up there for that one. I mean, it was an entertaining game, but... You know, when you get down to it, Goffstown dominated the last two and a half quarters of that game. You know, Central opened the game with a big kickoff yeah, return, off on scored. A great yeah, um, they made they had a great defensive stop uh, as Goffstown drove down the field. After that, um, you know, they forced a fumble, had a, a chance to go up um, two scores early on, couldn't uh, couldn't get it. Goffstown came back and just kind of started chipping away a little bit there. Yeah. Um, and then in the second half, Goffstown's defense was just was just stellar. Uh, Charlie Keith is really, I thought, in, uh, especially in the last couple of weeks, really come into his own as Goffstown's quarterback, yeah. um, just running that offense um, almost to perfection. Yeah, uh, had over 100 yards rushing and passing last week, which you know compared to where they were three weeks ago against Winnicott, it was it's a, a big step. Yeah. You know, I got to admit that the, I, I shouldn't say that the result surprised me because um, I think Goffstown is is as advertised at this point, if not a little better. Um, but Central had been in so many games early in the season that were kind of like these really close games where they had to had to sort of fight through some different types of adversity. You know, there were some high scoring things where you were wondering whether their defense was was uh, in question or not. So 
you know, given the nature of the way that this game started out, I would have said, you know, if it's going to be close, I might give it to Central because of what they, the battles that they've been through and the, the interesting way their season has gone so far. They might just sort of fight through that. But I think you're right. It sounded like once Gosstown sort of once Gosstown got ahead, it was unlikely the way the day was going uh, and, and, and the way that the Gosstown's defense has played all season that, that Central was going to overcome that. Yeah, they just, um, you know, Gosstown's offense actually I thought was was really I mean you look at the second half of that game I was I was stunned by this um, there were five possessions in the second half five I you know this is a central team that's that had scored um, you know this is the first time they've been held under 20 points in a game right you know they're up and down the field they right. scored over f- you know 45 times um, you know and that they only scored 12 and that that they and their one possessions was an were touchdown were just so long and drawn out. Even theirs were. It was just kind of amazing to me. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and, and, and they've got another tough one coming up this week against Winnicott. You know, yep. this, th- like I think we said last week, this stretch is going to make or break their season, obviously. Um, you know, they could still come out. It, it, it's amazing. They could either, I, I don't know all the tiebreakers and all the rating scenarios and all that stuff, but I have, you know, in my gut, I got to think, you know, Central's 5-2. and two, you know, depending on what happens with Goffstown, depending on what happens in Winnicott's finale, um, Central beats Winnicott and beats Bedford. There may be a chance they could end up um, number one seed. Right. I, don't, I don't know. I'm sure a lot would have to happen. So you're talking about either being uh, at the worst having a home game or completely missing the playoffs right. with them. Like it, it's, it's one or the, it's it almost seems like one or the other. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you think about it. I mean, I I've been the biggest advocate of Winnicott on this show, for, you know, since 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 they beat Bedford, which right. was their yeah. first of those yeah. three. T- you know, I was like, wow, it was it was an amazing performance on both sides of the ball. But I, I for some reason, some part of me keeps waiting for that that trap game that Winnicott's going to fall into because they, you know, because this is really their first year. Um, in a couple uh, few years yeah, of, of, yeah. of having this type of success, I mean, they've always been a competitive program. So. Central has that chance of coming up and stinging Winnicunit if Winnicunit doesn't pay attention. Um, yeah. And, 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 you know, if, if, if they're not. I wonder if that trap game was the Goffstown game and then they were able to win, pull yeah. it out. I mean, if you can yeah. win even in those situations. Yeah, um, that's true. One other thing uh, <laughs> to point out, you know, kind of going back to our discussion of, of competitiveness and, and, and all that, with Winnicunit, they're 7-0. and They've clinched um, the top spot in the East Conference, which means they're going to be hosting a home playoff game. Yeah. Um, whether they're the one or two seed on that side is still to be determined. But now with them getting in, that means that there are 18 of the 20 teams in Division One have made the playoffs since they went to this format five years ago. Right. So that's everybody with the exception of, of Dover, who was a play away a year ago, uh, and Manchester Memorial, who was close, I believe, in 2014, yeah. um, has made the postseason. Another um, interesting piece of data. For what that w- whatever <laughs> that's worth. <laughs> yep. Oh, I think it's worth something. It's, it is. And that's an interesting piece of data, like yeah. I said. That um, you know, the the one game last week that turned out to be quite an interesting one, and I remember looking at, at halftime at, at my Twitter feed and going, holy crap, BG's yep. taking it to Nashua North. Yep. And just a remarkable comeback by the Titans. They get a 49-45 win. In a game, classic. I, I mean, they – there's their odds of making the playoffs are still long they right. need uh they need to beat salem this week 
beat Keen next week. Yep. Um, one of those things is probably more likely to happen than the other. Yep. Um, but they also need Nashua South to completely collapse and lose its last two games. Right. Uh, and and have, yeah, um, of course, South has Londonderry this week, which will be a tough one, but they finish with BG. Um, which, although the, the rivalry be, aspect yeah, of that yeah. is kind of interesting, you yeah. know, some Friday, stranger things have they, happened. They've changed that game. It was originally a Saturday afternoon game. It's now a Friday night game over at Stellos. Oh. They basically flipped North and Keene yeah. and then BG and South. Keene yeah. is North is now Saturday. Um, but if they had lo- if North had lost that game to BG, then then their hopes are done. Yep. And then you look at that, and that's two weeks in a row that they've kind of come out and laid an egg. Um, you know, not that like like we said last week, not that they w- really were going to beat Pinkerton, but I mean, it, it should have been closer than it, what it was. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's yeah. that's fantastic if you're if you're Coach Lorendi, you're anybody on that uh, associated with that program to say, you know, because. In football, it's all, especially at the high school level, it's all about just can you keep your team believing in themselves and focused and not giving up. It's a disaster if you can't. But if you can, and clearly they would not have been able to pull off that type of a victory if they weren't still focused on the things that matter, right? Right. Like sticking together, not giving up, all those like cliche things that you talk about. But that's really what you're in the game for. I mean, that's, that's a huge credit to North because they could have easily said, what are we fighting for? There's too much ahead of us to overcome at this point. Eh, no, it, it, it mattered to them. There was a there was a personal pride. There was a sort of a rivalry, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Motivator, I'm sure. And it must have been painful for for Girton to have it slip away like that after the tough season they've had rebuilding this year. But credit to North, that's an instant classic as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Uh, North will get, um, like we said, Salem this week. Uh, and of course, Salem got a bit of a boost last week, whether whether they needed it or not against Merrimack. Um, in the return of, of Josh Sabanda, yeah. uh, came back, back after style. yeah missing. I want to say it was three three plus games there with a leg injury. Yeah. Would uh, he end up with two rushing and one receiving a, touchdowns? A, a lot of touchdowns. Yeah, I was, <laughs> it was at least I didn't that. Have a, didn't have a chance <laughs> to go back and actually look. I just noticed he was yeah he was actually out there. And yeah. I think Salem was was into subs at halftime. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, which is tough for for Merrimack, who started the season strong, but um, I think got derailed a little bit by injuries and some things. And and you know, they had a tough schedule. Yeah, they. I mean, the the conference they play in is is a brutal this one. Is yeah, brutal, is, yeah. Is, is is a brutal one. Um, of course, they have Timberlane coming up this week at home, which I believe they're having a um, some kind of anniversary party or something, some kind of commem- commemoration for the. Um, 87 championship is team. that right i believe it's this weekend yeah huh. i will need uh, to think about being <laughs> there then. that's a big deal yeah. as um, an alumni of merrimack yeah. and yeah, yeah the, that's um, a big deal um yeah 1987 they won a division undefeated. two title yeah yep undefeated yeah. against londonderry yeah. 27 to 14 i think i was i don't I, remember yeah, <laughs> don't don't look at me for numbers i was uh <laughs> i was six years old so <laughs> I, not, not, a, not exactly uh uh you know, right front and center in my memory. Understood. <laughs> <laughs> if you wanted to talk about w- this, this year also happens to be the 20th anniversary of the last Nashua championship, yep. unified Nashua championship. Yep. And I was uh, a junior in high school then, so I kind of remember that one. Yeah. Uh, I at least remember some of the guys that were on that team. Yeah. Um, I was coaching then. <laughs> <laughs> I remember it too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, some other, um, you know, other s- scores from from Division One not too surprising. You know Bedford, kind of staying alive there against Concord. 
Winter County big over Portsmouth. Spalding, uh, we got to mention that. Spalding snaps its long losing yeah. streak with a uh, pretty convincing win over Manchester Memorial. Yeah. Uh, you know, good for those guys to, to get off the off the mat and yeah. and pull that one out. As great as I felt for Spalding, I felt equally bad for Memorial. It was kind of like it was tough that somebody had somebody to lose Somebody had that to game. lose, yeah. both yeah. of those programs, even though they've had a tough road this year, it's like, but they've each had flashes of brilliance where they've, they've fought hard. I mean, I, I go back to the Central Memorial uh, matchup in week two. Right, maybe? yeah, it was week it was two, like, yeah. It was like, like a game of the week. They went back thing. and forth, yeah. and it was yeah, it was one of those close ones that Central's had this year. And Spalding's had these flashes of of, uh, of competitive brilliance, even if maybe things get away from them from a depth perspective uh, perspective in the second half or whatever. They just got kind of maybe worn down by some of these teams, but yeah, great great stuff for Spalding to get that done. Uh, you know, looking at Division Two, it seemed that more of the um, the at least in terms of. Um, affecting playoff seedings again because it's the top eight teams overall making it um some interesting things happening of course you had uh Sauhegan needing to kind of um uh eck out a a win over Sanborn there just 21 14 in that one and that one would have been disastrous I think yeah that uh, might have they been lose the that, that might yeah. yeah I mean they're they're kind of playing with um you know playoff games already yeah I would say um yeah, you know I think Sauhegan had a couple guys injured, but you know what? I it d it doesn't necessarily surprise me that it was that close because even though Sanborn has struggled a little bit this year, they're a very physical team. They know how to run the ball, and uh, I think their coaching staff. My experience having coached against them for the four years is their coaching staff does a really good job of focusing their kids on some of the fundamental physical things this that they do. Sanborn, Sanborn, yeah, and so that can be tough, especially at this point in the season where you might be a little banged up and. Um, you, you, you know, I doubt Sauhegan was looking ahead or anything, but you know, kids are kids and they kind of think, oh, well, these guys are only two in whatever. And well, yeah, you, you kind of, I mean, <laughs> looking at what they've done this season, it almost kind of fits the pattern, I think. I mean, you know, they opened the season with a 14 7 win over John Stark. You know, they are in it against St. Thomas right to the end and lose 26 21. They come back a little bit in the second half on, against Wyndham, it's mm -hmm. 30 to 20. Um, Twenty to twelve against Milford. Of course, they had the thirty-five nothing win over West. Yeah. Um, and then this is twenty-one fourteen. Another tough game. You know, yeah. so I mean, it's not, it's not so much. Oh man, I can't believe that happened. It's maybe kind of this standard. is just <laughs> yeah, this is just the way they're going to play this year. Yeah. Which is you know it can be an advantage for for uh, for Sauhegan in this case because as I've always said, right when you when you have a bunch of those hard games that you've had to pull out and persevere through the whole fourth quarters, I mean, that really does put you in a good position going into the playoffs where you've had to gut through some difficult things and come together. So, you know, hopefully that remains true. They've got um, HDH next week, yep. and then, uh, oh, this and then week, I should say, and then and then the big one. At Hollis, Hollis Brookline, yeah. who's got a game that all of a sudden kind of became a big one um, this week, too, um, coming up against Pelham, right. which, you know, I, I – you know, it was happened to figure, oh, you know, I got nothing to do Saturday night. I'll, I'll head over to Pelham and watch, you know, haven't seen Conval yet this year, you know, taking a game. Uh, I should mention, um, was pleasantly surprised with the Pelham concession stand. Ah, uh, that's they were key. It was their homecoming, and they had people tailgating and grilling burgers and stuff out there. So what I was told was because of that, they had all uh, crockpot options in the concession stand. 
because I walked up and I, I, you know, expecting to get a couple a burger yeah, or something. Yeah. And it's like meatball sub oh, and yeah. mac and cheese. Somebody should have sent me the memo. I I'm go- well, <laughs> I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, of course, I got all my, my camera and my, note oh, yeah. my clipboard and all this crap in my hands. I'm like, how am I going to eat any of this and yeah. not make a mess of myself? Yeah, you don't want to drop a meatball yeah, on I your know, lens. Yeah. So I ended up going with uh, sausage, peppers, onions, and, and it had potatoes in it, too. It was Ooh, fantastic. That's relatively... For, th- for three bucks. That's not bad. I, I, yeah, Shout out yeah, to Pelham, Pelham yeah. Concessions. To, well, <laughs> and then, then uh, and I was a little disappointed in this, though. I, had, I saw a table, like, set off to the side when I got there. Um, you know, and I figured it was like they were raffling something off, whatever. Uh, and then at, at close to halftime, I hear they make an announcement that they've got uh, deep fried Oreos and uh, something else like that. I was just like, fantastic. Oh, come on. I yeah. didn't notice. I should have gone and looked at that. Ta- that was what was at that table. Like, so not only were their concessions off the chart, but they, they get admittedly an improbable second win in a row. Oh yeah. They I won mean, the game. Yeah. Too. Right. They won the game <laughs> <laughs> against. Uh, and when I say improbable, I, I mean, no disrespect to, to, to coach Babian's team. Uh, but you know, we had considered Conville a pretty elite program yeah. this season. I mean, yeah, okay, they 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 have their last two games, which are going to be a really proving point for them. But um, I, I well, Conville was once again without uh, Dan, Dan Specifari, yep. and the I guess it, it didn't seem optimistic Saturday night on whether he would be back at any point this season. Any word uh, on what the story uh, is? There, it was still kind of. Yeah, you know the shrug you. and <laughs> we'll see. You. Yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah. You know, uh, so they're already down their quarterback. I guess they were missing a lineman or two. Yeah, that's um, tough. And their line was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, and and Pelham's pass defense was just was very good. Yeah, Conval also didn't do itself any favors with a couple of penalties early on in drives, kind of set them back. Um, and and I'm. You know, I was impressed looking at Pelham's roster. I mean, yeah, they have a couple of seniors that contribute and and were are on the field, but for the large part, their skill guys at least are sophomores and juniors. Yeah. Um, so I mean, that could be a team, you know, depending on whatever the divisions look yeah. like next year. Yeah. Um, you know, that could be a s- bit of a surprise, I think. Yeah. Uh, you know, and of course, you know, they win twelve nothing. Um, they're actually their second shutout in a row. Yeah. Uh, yeah well, so which then makes this game against Hollis big because at, at three and three, Pelham, Kennett, which which came back and beat Laconia, uh, they're also three and three in the north. Uh, they're still technically alive for playoff spots. Right. And they got to know that. You know, I mean, you, you know, they know that it you, you know, it's funny. It, I, I saw Pelham the previous week against Hillsborough during Hopkinton. And that was a game for the better part of three quarters. You know, I mean, Hillsborough HDH had the chance to punch one in w- at the very very end of the first half and it would have been if uh, assuming they hit the extra point it would have been seven six could have been a totally different ball game it, you know could have potentially been hdh's second win but pelham came out played very very differently in the second half they made some outstanding athletic plays uh, there was a reception um in the end zone that i was standing in that a kid made from pelham that was nfl quality um and so you could see some glimmers of, you know, man, if these guys got a little momentum going and start to believe in themselves. And then when I when I was following the, the Conval game, um, you know, said, you know, I, I mean, it's surprising because I, I think Conval's a quality team, but 
it wasn't so surprising given what I had seen the previous week that I and that, that they were a pretty quality football team. That kind of I would I would ag- agree with that. Like once they started getting some momentum in that game, it was it was theirs to lose. Mm-hmm. And you know, you look at their schedule and and of course they had you know they they lo- get blown out by St. Thomas. Um, you know, hard to say that could be go any differently. Yep. Given how good St. Thomas has been this year. Yep. They lost to Milford twenty eight seven. You know. Maybe they, they play that one again. Maybe or maybe not. It's different. Yeah, depending. But Sanborn, they lose 17-6 to at Sanborn. Um, you look at that one and say, well, maybe if that one's flipped the other way, we're talking about a team that's, um, what, 4-2 and two going into this game against Hollis Brookline, who, you know, has been putting up points and, and playing well. Um, but they still, you know, I, I think as, as, as Chris Loans would tell you, he's still got a sophomore at quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, there's still there's some blemishes in that armor. I mean, Hollis Brookline's a very good team. They were last year, but uh, but yeah, they're not they're not infallible. They've got some some things I think that they're they're doing a very good job of sort of accentuating their strengths and covering their weaknesses, <laughs> um, um, which is good, right? I mean, that's what you want to do. But that's part of the game. But yeah, that this becomes a very interesting game this week. I'm excited about that one. Yeah. Of course, um, probably one of the two biggest games this weekend, at least going in. Uh, you had Campbell going out to Summersworth, and what was a close game in the first half uh, turned into a, a, a Cougars, yeah. um, I mean... Broken open. I, I don't know if I want to call it a route because of what they've done in other games this year, but, geez, uh, to do the that to an, an, an undefeated team, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I mean, I guess that's what you say. Yeah. Um, and they're kind of in the driver's seat now, depending on what... I mean, of course, depending on what happens with the other big game this week, Newport at Monadnock... Um, you know, definitely in line to win the, the South Conference and maybe even get that number one overall seed. Yeah. Yeah, the, the uh, it's funny, the uh, the Campbell victory brought me back to my own high school days when I was at Merrimack and we played Pinkerton Week 7 and we were both undefeated and 4,300 people showed up at Student Memorial Field to watch this Battle of the Titans and we got lambasted 49-14 to 14 mm-hmm. by the Matt Jordan, Ralph Fast... Pinkerton team yeah, uh, yeah. that went on to be undefeated champions that year. I mean, that's that's kind of how I was looking at this. It was like, oh, this is the this is the Division three game this year. You know, this is the way things have shaped up, and it ended up being pretty single single sided in in Campbell's favor. So um, they just continue to roll. Um, yeah, they play Franklin and Winnesquam over the next two weeks, uh, who are combined three and nine. Yeah. So. Looks Set very much like, yeah, they're going to be 8-0 uh, heading into the playoffs. Uh, like we said, Monadnock and Newport play this week. One of them is going to be undefeated. Yep. Um, I think Monadnock has Stevens to finish the season. Newport plays Newfound, which has been one of those teams, like not that I, I you know, I didn't think they were going to be a playoff team or anything, but I saw Newfound scrimmage earlier this year. Looking at some of their scores, I know they gave uh, – Epping Newmarket a little bit of a scare. Um, you know, I think they've been, it might be a program that's kind improved. of on the rise. Yeah. Yep, yep. improved. Um, you know, and it, again, it'll, it, in terms of, you know, Campbell or the North champion being the number one overall seed will depend on how the rating unfolds. Yep. I, I think, uh, you know, if you look at, I guess it could probably will come down to the crossover game. That crossover game, game is what's going to do if it. And if it's Monadnock, Monadnock's win is over Bishop Brady, which is most likely going to be a playoff team. Um, Campbell's is over Interlakes, which right now doesn't look like a playoff team, but two and four. Yep. Uh, at best, four and four. Um, 
So that could swing, you know, if Mananoc wins Friday, swing it in their favor. Yep. Uh, Newport, I'm drawing a blank on the moment who they defeated in their crossover game, but I'll tell you that in just a second here. Uh, Bishop Bra or I'm sorry, Winnesquam. So that's so if they end up winning, Campbell probably ends up with that number one seed. Yep. Yeah, and I, I couldn't tell you who the best of those two right now. I mean, that that's sort of a collision course type of thing that, I mean, I, I, we thought that last year too, and well, uh, Menadnock got upset. I was just, <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking, I've heard a couple people say to me that call Campbell the eventual D3 champion. I'm like, wait a minute. Oh, yeah. You know, that, that, was, stranger yeah, things happen. that was supposed to be Menadnock last year. It was yep. supposed to be Bo, you know, the year Campbell won it. They yep. were supposed to, to win it. Yep. Um, the year before that, it was supposed to be Pelham when they were still in D3. Yep. So That's the fun thing about D3 is that, yes, they're smaller schools, and, and but it really is a much more sort of anything can happen type of situation, especially given the evidence of the last several years. Mm. All right. Well, looking forward to this weekend, like we mentioned, Menadnock, Newport, um, Londonderry South coming up on Friday. Uh, any particular game that, that you're – kind of int interested in seeing what the uh, the final result is there? Yeah, what I mentioned it to you coming in and now I'm drawing a blank. Um, oh, Winnicunit and Central? Yeah, yeah. that's that's yeah. pretty cool. Um, that's yeah. a big one. Yeah. Uh, I'd love to take a look at that. I, I would actually, I wouldn't mind taking a look at Hollis Pelham. I the think, way that that's yeah, developed. I think that could be an interesting one. Yeah. Uh, I believe that's a Friday night game uh, at Pelham. Yeah. Uh, I'll be at Londonderry South, which you know, it, it's two teams. I mean, Londonderry's clinched a playoff spot. South clinches a playoff spot with a win um, and clinches the West Conference. Yep. Um, but it's still kind of a big, you know, it, it's a big game for South, I think, just to prove that yes, they can tells, beat somebody. It tells you a lot about who both of those programs are right. at this point. Yeah, yeah. Um, and speaking of uh, playoff scenarios, uh, I will be – Putting some of those up at nh-highschoolsports.com later this week. Uh, break down kind of what can happen with games going on this week and what is still potentially uh, open, uh, you know, as we get down to the last two weeks of the season. Plus, uh, as I've been doing all week, we'll be taking a uh, doing daily updates on the current playoff picture for girls volleyball. Of course, this is the last week of the regular season for volleyball, soccer. Uh, their playoffs begin next week. Field hockey is. Started today, I believe. It's uh, unbelievable it's how fast I know. the season's already go. already done almost. Yeah. Uh, and of course, uh, this weekend we'll have a handful of football games covered. As I mentioned, Londonderry South I'll be at, Winnicott at Manchester Central, and then on Saturday, uh, John Stark at Bow. Uh, we didn't even mention that. Oh, That's a big, another huge very big game, game. Yeah. in the north in Division Two. Yeah. And yep. then Epping Newmarket and Bishop Brady Saturday night. Um, that is. Uh, a big one for for potential seating yep. uh, in the Division Three playoffs. Uh, Mike, thanks again for coming down and joining us. Absolutely, yeah, it's been fun. Yeah, for uh, for Coach Lockman, this is Joe Marcellina. Uh, thanks for listening. <laughs>